Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the Boincast. I am Josh Bland and I'm joined as ever by my good friend Alex Newton. How are you today, mate? Well, isn't this uncharted territory? We're recording a podcast on the back of a West Bromwich Albion victory. It's quite incredible, isn't it? It's quite incredible. It's, look, we, we both I think it's fair to say we're looking forward to this record. And it's why, you know, we've brought it forward. Uh, we were doing it on a Wednesday rather than a Thursday because we were so giddy to talk about the uh, the most unexpected of all unexpected results that I think I've experienced in my lifetime. Um, but before we do that, unfortunately, Alex, we've got an, a nasty bit of admin to deal with at the start because all too predictably after Albion's 5-2 win on Saturday lunchtime, uh, one of our players, Callum Robinson, was subject to um, fairly brazen and disgusting uh, racial abuse on social media, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, and, you know, we spoke before we started recording of do we speak about it? If we do, where do we put it in? Because, you know, everyone's tuning in this week to listen to us wax lyrical about, you know, Chelsea 2, West Bromwich Albion 5, which should be the only thing we talk about this week. We could do a whole hour on it, for goodness sake. It's one of our greatest results in Premier League history. But, you know, we've put it here now, because actually it's the biggest talking point of yeah. the week, the weekend, and it's happening far too often. And it's not just ourselves, but it needs to be spoke about and people need to hear it. And, you know, at the top of the show, they're going to. And look, I get it. People may turn off, may stop listening, may think, you know, it doesn't need to be brought up at the start of the show. But that's, you know, reactions like that are actually what cause it to be where it is, it, you know, it's the first thing we're going to talk about this week, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not something that we want to linger on because ultimately this is going to be a, a sort of a, one of the probably the most joyous podcasts that we've had all season, and we're looking forward to sinking our teeth into it. But it needs to be—we need to acknowledge it, and we need to make our position on it clear. It's—it's it's, these kind of views are, are caveman-like, they're Neanderthalic, they're—they're outdated, they're wrong, and they—they have no place. Um, not not just in football, but obviously in society in general. So, yeah, it's, it's something that has proved endemic this season. Obviously, other, we've had other players who've, become, who've been victim of racial abuse on social media this season, notably Romain Sawyers. Um, and I've just, you know, even in the past sort of 48 hours, there have been other players who have, you know, been screenshot into social media and, and putting up the just deeply racist uh, messages that they're getting regularly. I think it happened to Ivan Tony the other night as well so it's endemic within football it needs to be stamped out it needs to be met with the maximum possible um punishment from from the fa and it's it's good alex that it's been brought to the attention of west midlands police and they are investigating into the matter yeah it's just obviously a horrible kind of black mark on the result isn't it it's been mm. you know we've it just makes you think doesn't it how far do we have to come i know um it was obviously on Instagram and there was obviously the screenshots on Robinson's story. But then you go on the post and they're just being posted constantly. Now, yeah. I doubt someone sat at Instagram HQ scrolling through every comment that's kind of allowed. It's not like a, a gated system. I mean, we haven't got the solution and we're not going to pretend to try and have it, are we? But, I mean, long-term, there has to be something in place. I know um, Thierry Henry's boycott in social media and I think Tyrone Mings it might have been or Troy Deeney uh, back that as well. And uh, Maybe that's the way to go. Do we have to come off social media? 
I mean, it's a possibility. I think that there's a number of avenues that need to happen. Obviously, it's the strongest possible punishment for offenders. Boycotting of social media, if it comes to it, you know, given the fact that social media's sort of regulation of this kind of thing is so, so, so lax. Uh, and, you know, having the strength of ideology to be able to stand against this sort of brazen and deeply unpleasant discrimination, um, which I think is doubly important for us as Albion supporters with a club with such a sort of rich history of, of being at the fulcrum of, of you know, pr the promotion of, of equality in football. So, so, Alex, let's not linger on this too much because there's so much good to talk about this week, but it was important just at the start of the podcast to, to get that out of the way before we move on to what is, I think, Alex, you've already said it, possibly the most remarkable result that we've had in the Premier League era. I've been trying to think of games just in terms of pure shock value that we've had that beat this one. And it wasn't just the fact that we've we've won at Stamford Bridge. It was the scoreline and it was the manner of the performance, wasn't it? There's so much to take from the game. So let's just start with the, the, the performance as a whole in and of itself. And, and the simple question, where in fuck's name did that come from? I mean, there was one team on the pitch that looked like a Champions League team and there was one that looked like they were 19th. And it wasn't West Brom looking like they were 19. Um, I don't know where that's come from. I've been thinking all week about the first thing I thought of after the result was, I can't wait to do the podcast this week. And then I thought, yeah. well, what am I going to say? Because how can you <laughs> analyse that? Like, how often have we spoke about this season about missed chances, not looking good enough in the final third, um, yeah. kind of defensive mishaps? Um, and then you look at kind of just the whole 90 minutes. It's As a neutral, it's probably the most bizarre game of Premier League football ever. The first half was bonkers with red cards, goals, substitutions and substitutions of substitutions. Um, yeah, I mean, where, where do you start? <laughs> I mean, I think <laughs> as a performance as a whole... Let, 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 let's just try and sort of very briefly break that down before we sort of, I think it's worth recapping the narrative as well of actually what happened during the first half. So if you, if you talk about what the properties of West Bromwich Albion are, what are the sort of archetypal defining characteristics of this iteration of West Bromwich Albion, the, the sort of 2021 season West Bromwich Albion, you'd say sluggish, you'd say unclinical, and you'd say psychologically brittle. And it was a performance that had swagger. It was a performance that showed that we had, you know, real cutting edge. The quality of finishing was as good as anything I've seen pretty much since we had actually Tony Mowbray in charge. And, and we had a couple of games where, you know, we were just scoring screens for fun. The quality, the sort of average quality of the goals, just something else I want to talk about later, by the way, was so high. And, and they sort of dismantled a, a Chelsea side that had been undefeated under Thomas Duchel. So it was the antithesis of what we've come to expect. And it was just, I mean, I don't know about you, Alex, I just felt such a sense of like catharsis watching the Albion put that kind of performance in. It was, I'd almost forgotten what it was like to see them play well, let alone that well. Yeah, I, I'd say I completely agree, but I don't know what that word means. Uh, I was happy, <laughs> which I guess it means. But um, yeah, just a performance that in a way, obviously it's a fantastic result we played so well. I guess there's... a a 1% bit of frustration there and you think, well, hang yeah. on, nothing's changed. It's the same 11 players. Where's this performance been all season? But um, yeah. I guess the three-week break may have had something to do with that a little bit. But um, yeah, from minute one, we were on it. 
well, I thought we were actually the better side before we went behind to Pulisic. Agree, yeah. Obviously, Thiago Silva then gets um, sent off. Uh, my man of the match, before we jump ahead a little bit, Ranislav Ivanovic for his uh, five-minute yeah. cameo, keeping up with Werner, pulling his hamstring and then having to Sounded go off. Point, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, and then just obviously the two goals before half-time are a sucker punch to Chelsea. But, I mean, I think... You know, all Albion fans were thinking, oh, we're going to come out two blocks of four or a block of five and a block of four and we'll sit on two, one and kind of see if they can break us down. That second half performance, my word, I don't think I've ever seen us play like it away in the Premier League. No. Uh, I'd no. argue ever. Because it was just not, a not, not against that standard of opposition. No, no. Not no. against that standard no. of opposition. No, no. There, there has been a couple of games like that. I, I seem to remember... Scored six against QPR. We played like that against Reading, half. but went on to... Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was in the Championship. Yeah. And that was at home as well, wasn't it? They're like... <clears throat> and there was that game against Reading, which ended up losing 3-2, but for 70 minutes were unbelievable. And there was a game, obviously, the 5-1 at Wolves. But really, I mean, you're absolutely right. I can't remember just... Oh, in the South... Do you remember Southampton away when it was really late in the season once? We beat them 3-0. Yes. Dismantled was it final away Nothing. game of the season, I think? Yeah. Yeah, it was. The Wolves got relegated the same day. Nothing to that level. Nothing to the level that we've just seen. I mean, there's been a lot of tweeting about, is this Galvin's greatest ever Premier League performance? It's up there. Probably. It's yeah, right I mean, like, it, I, I'm, I'm racking my brain. Because nobody had got near that phenomenal. this Chelsea team under Tuchel. I mean, we were, no. we were joking no. last week that they were due one and, you know, it, I mean, you'd have to be crazy to predict this. Yeah, he's absolutely, absolutely mental. I mean, there's, so I mean, it's one of the great frustrations that I've had this week is listening to some of the sort of reactions, and and a lot of it has been focused naturally on on what the hell went wrong for Chelsea. And it would be hypocritical of me to not, you know, we should mention Chelsea, and we should mention the chronology of events because yes, they went down to ten men, deservedly so, I might say, clear red card, arguably should have walked sooner than he did. Um, and they did capitulate. They never adjusted, did they, tactically to going down to 10 men. But to me, Alex, as you rightly said, we were the better team before they scored the first goal. And the turning point wasn't necessarily the red card. It was Ivanovic's injury. And Sam Allardyce just going, do you know what? Fuck it. Let's actually throw a bit of caution to the wind. And credit to him. We've been detractors of Sam Allardyce pretty much since he's joined the club. Not, it would have been neither of our choices for manager. But he smelled blood. And, you know, by God, the, 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 the players that he put on that pitch and, and Callum Robinson being brought on changed the game and, and they delivered. Yeah, completely agree. I think he got it bang on. I mean, at first, Lee Peltier was stripped and ready to come on. Whether Aladon's got a word in his ear from one, of the, uh, from one of the coaches. But, yeah, got it completely bang on, changed the system and went, you know what, they're down to 10 men. And I think, you know, Thiago Silva in that defence is obviously the leader, the experienced head, but... You know, you take him off. You've still got the likes of Azpilicueta in defence, who's been there, you know, probably nigh on coming up to 10 years now. So, yeah. you know, there's so much experience in that team. And look, we have to talk about both teams in the match. Chelsea were awful. The defence mm. was diabolical. Some of the goals they conceded. I mean, obviously, you have to take your chances and create them. But the amount of room... That we was finding was bizarre. I mean, Tushan must have been smashing up the dressing room at full yeah. time. Because if you, you know, if you flip that, even if you know Chelsea go and do that to us or Man City do, which you expect they're good teams, right? I'd be furious at the defending. 
I mean, Pereira's second, there's three of them, just stood there watching him in the yeah. box. They all get sold by the same dummy. I mean, do you want to go, what, goal by goal quickly? Well, I, I guess like I, I, what I want to do is, I mean, and it's such a rarity to get to do this kind of thing. I definitely want to do it. <laughs> Rank the goal. <laughs> I, yeah, well, seriously, that's what I want to do because we had a, we had a question that I've seen from Tagabird, regular listener to the show, who says, what, one of the five goals against Chelsea is chalked off for some reason. Which one are you binning off? It's a tough choice. Is there any, are they all so good? Yeah, I it's true. I want to take that question, run with it, and I want you to, to come up with your definitive ranking of all of the, the five goals. So are we going Which, bottom to top or top we'll to We'll go bottom? bottom to top. We'll go bottom to top, I think. Bottom to top. I'm going to go uh, the fifth, the last goal, even though it's yeah, an I... unbelievable goal. And, and bear in mind the quality of the finish from Robinson is exquisite. It's the finish of a, of a confident, confident attacker. <laughs> Yeah, uh, oh, I'll go Pereira's second, fourth. Really? See, I reckon Pereira's first. Oh, the chip's so good, last. though. It is a nice finish, and it's actually a very, very good... I suppose the run from deep as well, it's such a clever bit of play from Pereira, isn't it? Because he's like he's visibly several seconds ahead, still yeah. just thinking-wise in terms of the Chelsea defence. So I'll, I'll accept to, that. To take that on the bounce... And Mendy, yeah. who's looked decent at Chelsea Court in no man's land. I mean, it's just poor defending. Um, yeah. I'd probably go... I don't think there's an argument that... Would you have Pereira's two goals as third and fourth? Yeah, I would, yeah. I, I really like Pereira's second because he. I, I like... There's a number of elements I like about it. I like... It was a result of us pressing really high, which is which something that I want done. to talk about as well. Yeah, and, and it is a real feature of the game. Arguably my favourite feature of the game, actually, was the way that we pressed, but we'll come to that in a second. And on the one hand, Pereira, you know, Diagne did really well to win the ball back really high. Pereira sort of dancing into the box and Phillips does a really lovely bit of business just blocking off yeah. a Chelsea defender to give Pereira the space. And I thought, he'd, I thought he'd done too much. I thought he'd missed a chance, but then to just chop back and put it in the bottom corner effortlessly. I think both of Pereira's finish, finishes were effortless, weren't they? Yeah. Completely agree, which leaves us with uh, Robinson's volley and yeah. the finish from Diagna. Now, in terms of finishing, there's no competition, right? No. Because Robinson's volley is unbelievable technique. Oh, especially but, when you slow it down. When oh, you slow it down. It's the fact it's down... Water. I mean, Andrew yeah. Johnson said it the best, didn't he? It's down Mendy's neck, but he hasn't even moved. And it's yeah. in the back of the and, neck. I, I employ uh, Alvin fans who've not watched the slow mo replay of Robinson's goal. It's like I, I heard it said somewhere in the week that that is what slow mo is invented for, and the way he just sort of he doesn't break stride. It's such a gorgeous bit of technique. But <clears throat> I sense that you are about to put Diagne's goal top, which I agree with. I yes. think it depends what kind of goal you like. I think there'll there'll be a disagreement about this. I mean, the only way you fans. could run it better was if Robinson's finish was at the end of Diagne's move. But, yeah, I mean, and that's all that like football the, is ludicrous. If Man yeah. City or Barcelona or Real Madrid or Liverpool or whoever score that goal and Messi's on the end of it, it's replayed yeah. for years as like one of the best team goals. It's, yeah, un, it's yeah. unbelievable football. It's the best football I've ever seen us play in a 10-second spell. I, I probably, Yeah, I think so, because it's properly end-to-end as well, isn't it? The only goal that I can think of that comes close is, remember, it was the Dwight Gale goal against Stoke where it was him and Kieran Gibbs sort of passing it between each other and then he sort of does the spin. The but camp, even yeah. then, but even then, th- th- there's so this many This is against points. Chelsea or why? 
Yeah, Stamford Bridge away. You know, really under pressure a, a bit. They're, they're trying to sort of, you know, attack us after having gone 3-1 down. And there's so many degrees of difficulty in the goal. There's so many places it can go wrong. That's why I love team goals. And every single pass was inch perfect. Inch perfect. And the back heel and the layoff and the finish. And the, oh, I'm just sort of, yeah. I'm going to have to stop, but you're going to have to take over for a second. It's, it's, it's one of my favourite ever. It's pretty watershed. It is. It is. We should, we're, going to have to put a, we're going to have to put an age rating on this podcast for the first time. Because it was like one of, yeah, absolutely filthy goal. So, um, yeah. Oh, I mean, how many times have you watched the highlights? Oh, look, I've, I've watched the highlights as many times as possibly can. But yeah. from different uh, broadcasters as well, yeah, so the same. Albion, the Sky, exactly what I've done. Yeah. just to hear what people match of the day, just to hear the different commentators' reactions. Yeah. But I've, I've I mean, been you can't talk the West Brom one, surely. Oh no, AJ, AJ! But by the end, he's so we- he's so weathered and worn down by it. He's just <laughs> he's not even coming, he's just laughing. He's just there like <laughs> it's fucking excellent. Oh, dear. A lot of f bombs on the podcast today, ladies and gentlemen. I apologise for that, but I'm bloody excited. Um, obviously the goals and, and the quality of the finishing is like the headline grabbing grabbing news and the fact that Albion was so, so, so clinical in a way that Ali, you know, Ali Dossi called them out before the game and say, you know, we've not been, the quality of finishing hasn't been there and by God, the strikers sort of um, answered that at Stamford Bridge. But what I, I said I wanted to talk about it a bit, Alex, and it was about the pressing and the intensity with which we played. And yes, I appreciate we were playing 10 men and we were playing against a team who were largely been you know playing international football over the previous three or four days but so many times you know both for for both Thiago Silva's yellow cards notably for Pereira's goals goal as well to make it 2-1 Albion were winning the ball a lot in the final third in the top half of the pitch they were aggressive and they showed ambition and it was something that they were doing right from the first whistle. It wasn't something that just happened after the sending off. It was a tactic from Allardyce that clearly he's been working on over, over the international break. And I think we need to give Allardyce credit for some imbuing that sort of ethic into the players and, and saying this is how, you know, we need to play with more intensity, which is what we've been calling for for weeks. And also credit the players for managing to execute the game plan in such an effective way against a tired Chelsea team. Yeah, and imagine saying all of that, a fantastic pressing performance and winning the ball back in midfield without Conor Gallagher, who, you know, pre-game you're thinking, well, hang on, we're going to get overrun in a Chelsea midfield that's been running rampant recently with the likes of Ziyech, with the likes of Havertz, Kovacic, Jorginho, Mount, of course. Um, But, I mean, I'm I'm lost for words at just how... Good we were, the fight that we showed um, kept our heads well. And I guess every Albion fan, when it was made 4-2 to Chelsea, thought, here we go. This is it now. We're just going to sit back. We're going to wilter. We've seen this a million times as Albion fans. We've been 2 or 3 nil up against a half-decent side, sometimes not even half-decent side. And they come back. But the mentality to keep going from minute one to minute 90 was unbelievable it's like we said it's our best Premier League performance arguably ever um, yeah. yeah the midfield was brilliant the attack was brilliant the defence were solid I mean Johnston didn't really have a lot to do couldn't have done anything for the two goals I actually think he gets a touch on the free kick 
on the it first does, yes. It, it, it would have been, I think, <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, I say it would have been. Uh, they scored the rebound, but it was. It's, it's a, a save that's as good as any that he's done this season, I think. It's almost, it's just almost, almost identical to the Maguire one where he tips onto the post. He's just unlucky that Pulisic is following up. But yeah, um, I mean, we could talk about this game all day, couldn't we? Well, should we let, let's because we've talked about the game, we've talked about the tactics, and I, I think it's it's more than a tactical thing. And you say I'm waving my arms around like a maniac. Here. I'm so so enthralled by them. The, it's the fact that at every point in the game, I think they played it to perfection. And yes, we went one nil down, and at that point, I like anyone was you know down my beer and was like, well, that's that. And you expected them to fold, but the first third of the game, we pressured them and we forced them into errors and we unsettled them. And then when the red card happened, and especially after the Ivanovic you know, injury happened, Sam sensed the fact that we could get something and we started playing this really aggressive counter-attacking football that you have to say, given the makeup of the squad, it seems perfect. It seems perfect for the, the squad that we've got at the moment. It's infuriating that we've not tried to do that from earlier in this season. Um, and then once we were 4-1 up, and especially once they got the goal back, I felt we almost took the sting out of the game completely. You know, every, por- every portion of the game, I felt like we reacted in exactly the right way. The, with the only exception being once we were 4-1 up, I think we got a little bit sloppy and then we landed back into the game slightly. But yeah, it was just brilliant. But I, I wanted to, let's talk about some individual performances. Um, we'll go back to front. You've touched on Sam Johnston. Um, I thought Ajay stepping back into the, into the back line was fantastic. Probably the pick of the defenders alongside maybe Conor Townsend. Yeah, definitely. And we touched on Ivanovic's uh, five-minute cameo. But uh, yeah, I think it showed that Ajay was back in the team. Um, yeah. I think it was smart by Allardyce to obviously Gallagher was going to be sacrificed because of the loan situation. Yeah. But yeah, I think he got that right. And Townsend had a very good game. That back heel from Townsend was delicious. Okay. Lovely little bit of business, wasn't it? Um, look, the midfield, we could, I mean, we could talk about any of them. Yukoslu is clearly, what he, he's sort of like the best aspects of both Malumbu and Jakob, isn't he? He's got the. He's got the bite and the aggressiveness of Claudio Jakob, but then the ability to sort of wriggle out of tight spaces that Malumbu's got. He's, he's one hell of a player, isn't he? And if, if we do stay up, which I still don't think will happen, he, he has simply got to sign, hasn't he? Yeah, 100% completely agree. He's probably too good for us. He's definitely yeah. a Premier League um, quality player. I think he'd fit in most teams in the league and not look out of place because I think there's a, a lack of uh, holding midfielders that just do that, that look yeah. after the ball well, don't worry about trying to get forward too mm. much. I mean, if he was English, people would be waxing lyrical and wanting yeah. to go into the Euros. I think there's a real lack of depth there. But yeah, just superb. Just does what you want a holding midfielder to do. And that's the basics, right? And if you get that right, that's what allows you to go forward and it, it's what allows the fullbacks to have the confidence to overlap just because you know you've got that kind of shield in front yeah. of the defence, which is what we've been missing for 18 months, I guess, right? Yeah, completely, completely. Um, look, I, I, I think it was probably, you know, we saw what Diagne, we, we, uh, we've been big, I think we've been quite, pro- you know, he's, he's not a brilliant finisher, Diagne, obviously, but he, he's, he, he gets in the right places. Up. And he's a really good linchpin to allow, you know, to bring in our sort of attacking midfield players and our wingers who obviously when they're on the kind of form that they were on Saturdays, he's a really, really important sort of player for the, for the way that clearly we're going to try and play for the rest of the season. So I thought Diagne was good. I thought Phillips had his best game in a long time. But I think we should spend more time talking about probably the two standout performance, 
and that is um, let's start with Callum Robinson, who, whose introduction changed the game, didn't he? Um, we talked about on the podcast last week, didn't we? What what we would do with Callum Robinson? We had a question about it, and we spoke about the you know well neither of us we both said neither of us felt that he was worthy of inclusion from the start, but we would like to see more of him from the bench. And if he can, you know, and luckily he had a sort of full hour off the bench, but my God, he really staked a claim. And, and as Steve made has written in the, in the Athletic this week, Alex, this really, really could be the performance in the game that changes the, that changes the perceptions of him and, and changes the course of his Albion career, if he can replicate the quality that he showed on Saturday. Look, we know he's a good player at the start of the season. He looked like our best player in that little run of games where we were OK. Yeah at the start of the season, but obviously he'd been left out in the cold kind of towards the end of Billich's reign and Mm. under Allardyce as well. And we've had questions about would we bring him back in, etc, etc. I mean, what he's done against Chelsea is basically say, you're not dropping me. I cannot be dropped now. And you can't. He has to start against Southampton, which we'll come on to talk about. But um, is it just everything you want from that? Player playing off the shoulder, the striker popping up yeah. everywhere, making unmarked runs in the right positions. And I think, you know, how many times have we said this on the podcast? He's a player that needs confidence. And I think for a lot of the season, he hasn't had that confidence. You can see he's got that general swagger about him, hasn't he? You can see it in his celebrations. Yeah. You know, if he's playing on the front foot, and you know, look, I mean, I, I agree with you, it doesn't change anything. We are probably going to go down. But if you can get him firing in the Championship, he's going to be an unbelievable player. Yeah, completely. And then Matis Pereira, who is, I think, the first Albion player to get 10 out of 10 on who scored sort of famous weekly ratings. Uh, the player of the week in the Premier League, as, as announced by Sky Sports a few hours ago, it was... We've seen this from him before, haven't we, Alex? But in the championship, he he put in that performance against Swansea, notably, didn't he? Where he got four assists and a goal, and he, and that was like one of the best performances I've ever seen. And he did it a couple of times last season, Bristol City, notably as well at home, and a few times where almost single-handedly he was putting teams to the sword. This was the Matthews Pereira that we we saw in the first half of last season, wasn't it? This was him at his creative, tenacious best, and and. I mean, a performance to me that is almost guaranteed that no matter if he's with us or or not with us, he will be playing Premier League football next season. He was he was sensational. Oh, it's just him. He's brilliant, brilliant best. We know how good he is. I think at times he maybe loses a bit of application. And I think if the game's not going his way, he might fade a little bit. And I think, you know, that's obvious to see for a lot of people. But when he's got that confidence and when he's on form and when he's just got... He just had Chelsea on strings. They just didn't get near him at all. Even in, was it the second, third minute that Thiago Silva was booked for pulling him back? And he just didn't stop. Just had the ball at his feet. Two goals, two assists. I mean, the goals. If Robinson doesn't score one of the best goals we've ever seen an Alvin player score, you're waxing lyrical for even longer about Pereira's two finishes. Because what you saw from him was that he's just got so much to his game, the little depth touch for the volley, but the, you know, the clinical finish of his second, the vision for his assist, he's just got a bit of everything to his game. Yeah. He's too good for us. 
and yeah. I think he, you know, when he's on his game like that, he stands out so much above everybody else. But I think it's a case of maybe uh, enjoy it while he lasts. While he's still at the club, yeah, I, I just hope he can put together a bit of a run where we can see, you know, the pre- we, clubs in the Premier League get to see him at his absolute best because he is a special, special talent, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Enjoy it while it lasts because he, he will be moving on to a team that I've no doubt will be playing in European football uh, pretty soon. And I, I can't wait to see what his career holds, really. Um, whoosh, I, I mean, I'm sort of exhausted just by talking about that Chelsea game. I guess the last question is, and we'll talk about this a bit more in the Southampton preview as well. Does this give you hope? Do we now have a chance or because we both said last week and it's probably the first time we'd said it. Yeah. I mean, the season's done, isn't it? We're down. It's going to happen. And I don't really care what happens this weekend. And it's that classic thing, you know, I thought I was out and they've pulled me back in. Yeah. They always do it at the worst time, don't they? Um, (laughs) Look, have I got more hope this week than last week? Yes. Is it minimal hope? Yes. If we go and beat Southampton, Which we'll come on to talk about. Am I fully back invested? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. You try not to get invested, do you? But you can't not after a performance. If we play like that to the end of the season, we'll win the league next year. If we win unbelievable. <laughs> It'd be like Leicester. It'd be like Leicester. <laughs> I mean, it's got to start somewhere. I mean, look, it has to start somewhere, right? It'd be so Albion that we go and lose 2-0 to Southampton and all. Hopes lost again, but um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a good, it was fun, weren't it? it well, hey, look, it's the most fun that I've had. I mean, arguably even more fun than us beating the Wolves, which was saying is just saying something, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, incredible, incredible. Right, let's let's have some fan questions, and then we'll move on to talk about that Southampton game that we all know is going to be a one nil defeat. Yeah, I mean, most of them are about the Chelsea game, as you can imagine. Are they really? Are they really? <laughs> They can't get enough. Kieran Gibson, should we have three weeks of prep before every match for the rest of the season? Um, just really quickly, because we've kind of talked about the Chelsea match till the cows come home. How much do you think it played a part? Yeah, I think it... Well, it certainly played, played a part, part insofar yeah. as... I mean, it, it affected Tuchel's team selection in quite a strange way. A lot of their sort of seminal players weren't playing, basically because they hadn't trained. So, like, sort of Mount and... Um, Rudiger and and Werner look with obviously he had played two days previously, but looks sort of way out of touch. He played a weak inside, I think slightly underestimated us, but also you know chiefly because his players came back tired from international break. So yes, of course it had an effect. The flip side of that is you know we had players on international duty as well, several of whom were playing. Um, so yeah, I mean yes, it had an effect, but. I don't think you can take that doesn't necessarily discredit Albion's you know, phenomenal performance. Yeah, agree. Oh, I mean, it's the nature of the beast of the Premier League. And obviously, I suppose the other thing as well with this question is that, like, I hated the three-week gap. Really, I mean, as much as we were joking about and grumbling about it last week, saying, "Oh, we have to watch the Albion again." If, but I'd caveat by saying, if I had to wait three weeks to watch the Albion play, but I knew every time that I watched the play, we we're going to play a lot. Like that. that I'd, I'd wait I'd take six it. weeks. I take it. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, Tanya Touch, as we all start going uh, back to work properly, where do you daydream about scoring away when you should be concentrating on the job? I mean, I've had a few dreams about recreating that Robinson volley for the weekend. 
<laughs> yeah, I was um, I was in a Zoom call a few days ago. I found myself sort of like absentmindedly um, just drawing it like a diagram of it. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I would uh, the the ground that I've always struck me as really really satisfying to score at would be at the Villa. Score in front of the whole tent and then do like a shush celebration all the way down to the touchline, all the way down the touchline to where the away fans are. That'd be that'd be nice. Smart and not make it out alive, I imagine. A uh, few questions about uh, Allardyce. I'm going to try and tie yeah. them all together. Uh, there's quite a few. Dave Adams, to Sam or not to Sam? That is the question. I.e., as we uh, as when we get relegated, stick or twist. Uh, Richard Liza. Obviously, Sam had a good eye uh, for players and loads of contacts. Would it be a plan to have him upstairs with a younger manager? We saw last weekend what he can do. Uh, Leo Watkins, with Allardyce insisting he wants to get promoted straight away if he stays, is it wrong of me to still want a young manager with a longer vision? I fear not. I fear of or not, we will be stuck in the same cycle. Uh, and all Albion fans um, kind of a little bit of a caveat question. Do you think with a lot of the pressure off with one foot in the Championship, Allardyce will continue to let the players express themselves like this on Saturday or do you think we will revert back to the system that has kept his games tight but not produced wins? Now, there's a lot of questions there. They all kind of say the same thing that if he has a good end to the season and we play like that, is he playing his way into the job and if so, do we want him? Yeah, it's an interesting, there's a, there's a lot of really, really interesting stuff there. Um, one of the things that I would say is that I really like the question about him sort of taking the shackles off because there was an element, and we said this at the time when we were watching the game, me and the, and the, and the family who I was watching the game with, it, it, there was an element when he bought Robinson off of sort of like, well, fuck it. It just seemed like, and we, we've criticised other guys a lot. What have we got to lose at this point? Yeah. Exactly. We're 1-0 down against a team that have not conceded a goal at home since this manager's taken over. We're not unbeaten in 12. They're down to 10 men. This, you know, we, We're in the game. We've literally got nothing to lose. What's the and, point of bringing on Lee Peltier? Yeah, exactly. No exactly. Lee Peltier. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, there's nothing against Lee Peltier. Um, Does he I've, score that volley that Robinson did? Though? Probably not. <laughs> I have no feeling about Lee Peltier as a player whatsoever. I'm completely neutral on him. Um, but yeah, there was a strong element of fuck it. Now, it's going to be re- really, really interesting when we now come up against Southampton to see how he approaches the game. Because I think what we'll see, this game will be a window now into how he's going to approach the rest of the season. And I think now that the players have shown, especially players like Robinson, have shown that the, the, the quality they can produce, maybe he will take the shackles off a bit. And I think if we can produce, I, I still don't think we'll stay up. But if we can produce football that's more like that, and Allardyce shows us that he can. And to be fair, we have talked about this before as well. I don't think Allardyce is quite the pragmatist that a lot of people say he is. I mean, yes, his football is far more pragmatic than that of Village's. And yes, he has his reputation of being a bit of a long ball merchant. That wasn't always the case with his Crystal Palace sides, which were, you know, really exciting counter-attacking team with Balassi and Zahar. And it wasn't necessarily the case with that Bolton side as well, that he managed to, gr- to great success. I mean, dare we forget, he had really creative players like Jorkaev and, and Okarcha. And... So I, I think if he can show between now and the end of the season that he has the ability to, to let players express themselves and we can play a sort of quite 
you know, ag aggressive, more attackingly aggressive kind of football. And I think that will warm fans up to him. Certainly the reaction that I saw on Twitter after the game on Saturday was the warmest that I've seen. And, and there's plenty of sort of those lovely little Sam Allardyce gifts floating around on Twitter. I'm still unconvinced. Um, I don't know about you, Alex. I, I can't see him want to be interested in moving upstairs. And even if he did, it doesn't strike me as a healthy sort of relationship to have because I, I can't see Big Sam not wanting to interfere in, in whatever the sort of <laughs> No, I, I get why people are asking it and I get where yeah. I, I get where it's coming from, but it's certainly not something I'd want short term, long term, at any term. Um yeah. really. But I, I, I get why the point it, it probably does need I guess the kind of boiling point of that is that there needs to be more football experience upstairs yeah. and someone who's been in the game a little bit. I mean, I take Morrison or Brunt upstairs at the moment, just so there's a voice of somebody who's played the game. But um, yeah, it's a, it is an interesting one, and I guess this is going to run for weeks and weeks, isn't it? About Allardyce, does he? Don't he? I mean, if the squad plays like that till the end of the season. I don't know. Let's say they finish 18th and go down by what a handful of points rather than closer to 10. The, the club might be tempted to twist it on. I mean, he's in contract, is he not, till the end of next season? So, is it not an 18-month contract? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, he is. He is technically contracted, but obviously there's that break clause if we go yeah. down. I think it's really interesting, the stuff that he said this week about being in charge if the right deal is in place. And if, if, he, if he's convinced that the club are going to back him, I, th I think what he but wants... he's not going to get a Premier he, League gig, is he? No. No, I think not. And he maybe recognises that really, if we go down, he takes us down. Yes, this this performance is it will, you know, he's been back in, you know, he's been his name has been back in the sun, hasn't it, in over the last 48 hours. And I'm sure he's delighted about that. But if he takes us down and that shine of the Allardyce, you know, the Allardyce effect of inverted commas is gone, a team like us who've just freshly dropped into the championship is as good a job as he could hope to get. And I think it's a good squad for the championship. Yeah, it, it will be a good squad and, it, and he'll have some talent to work with and he'll probably have a decent budget to work with as well because obviously, and don't get me wrong, as we said on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, sort of planning ahead, there's going to be a hell of a lot of surgery needed on the squad. Do I want someone like Allardyce well, I'm in charge I'm just going to jump that? in really quickly. Matt Hill, the final question before the usual from Jesse was, will we get yeah. the squad overhaul we need in the summer or just another patch-up job? Mm. Yeah. Which, I mean, I suppose... My gut is I wouldn't want someone like Sam, who is, you know, he inherently it's all about short-term goals, isn't it? In charge of the recruitment overhaul. But if he doesn't get promoted, well, he walks. Yeah, yeah. But the but the flip side, well, exactly. I mean, the flip side of that is, and I'd never really thought about it like this before. But the recruitment over the summer under someone like Billich, who and Billich and Dowling, who I thought had really nailed the previous couple of transfer windows, was dreadful, and largely laid the groundwork for how bad the season was. Up until well, basically up until the weekend, but the, the recruitment that Allardyce has done over over the over the winter, Nateland Niles obviously is a player of high quality, We're but then you know especially Yakoshlu and yeah. Diagne of changed yeah. the team. Yeah, and he's exactly. played them every and, week. It's not like when Milicon Kravinovic and he didn't. No, exactly. That. And they've been really pragmatic, really, really signings that have noticeably increased the quality of the team. Well, Yukoslu is the first name on the team sheet, bar Johnston. 
by Johnston, yeah. I agree. I completely agree. So it's an interesting dilemma. I'm I, I'm wary of changing. I would have said before this weekend, absolutely not. I don't want Sam Allardyce long term. And I'm wary of changing my mind just because of one, albeit it, absolutely spectacular it, That could be a huge anomaly. We could be, t- yeah. in six weeks, we could be going, well, remember that win we had against Chelsea? We've lost the last six. Yeah. So, and we've been we've been here before, admittedly not to this this sort of this standard, we're not to this extent, but with the win against Wolves, we felt like, ooh, this could be it, this could be it, and maybe this is the way forward. And it never, never really clicked. Callum Robinson, by the way, the common denominator, Robinson and Pereira in both of those wins, the, the Wolves and Chelsea games. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I I, I want to come back to that question in three or four weeks, once we know what the team's shaping up and how we're playing and and. But it's, it's an interesting one. It, just put it like this, and I think I can speak for both of us here. There's more great. It was previously, I think we were both very, very black and white on this. We don't want Allardyce next season. This weekend has introduced a large element of grey to that, I would suggest. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think it also depends on who else is available. Someone yes. comes free and you're like, they are the one who you could throw yeah. money at to rebuild. Then there's yeah. obviously more of a reason. If yeah. you know there's not too much movement, well, actually, maybe we we do have to stick for six months and see where we are. And finally, speaking of things sticking around for far too long, Jesse at the pitch control, one night stand, marry one, kill one. I, uh, oh, what would you call these? Advertising character people. You you'll get. <laughs> I can't think what they're called. Like mascots, I guess. Brand ambassadors. Uh, Yeah, sort of like branded mascots. Like Boiler Man. I mean, spoilers. He's not on the list. Uh, (laughs) Ronald McDonald. Right. The Kool-Aid Man. I believe he's meant to put the Kool-Aid Man. He's called the Coop. K-O-O-P. Coop-Aid Man. Yeah, I mean. It's definitely Kool-Aid. Is that a shocker? The Kool-Aid Man and uh, the Jolly Green Giant. Oh, Interesting. I wouldn't Ronald... like to sleep with any of them. No, I wouldn't. I think or marry gonna... them. <laughs> no. Oh. I feel like I, I probably... have to kill Ronald McDonald. Yeah, I'm going to have to kill clown. Ronald McDonald. You can't be knocking about with a clown all your life, can you? Uh, Ronald McDonald is a, is, a, is not only a clown, because I've got nothing against clowns. I mean, I used to want to, when I was a kid, I used to want to be a clown as my <laughs> career. But well done largely... for uh, fulfilling your... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I realised my dream. But... I mean, Ronald McDonald is a deeply, deeply unsettling man, isn't he? Yeah, it is very, uh, very weird. Which, uh, I mean, for me, I think this is obvious. I think you have to one night stand the cool light man because yeah. that leaves the jolly green giant. I imagine great bloke to marry, jolly. Yeah, he's jolly. Great. I mean, he's big as well. I mean, you, you wouldn't, you could just hide behind him. No one fuck with you. Do you like sweet corn? With the jolly green giant. I hate sweet corn. Ah, that is now that. Um... Yeah, but the jolly green giant does peas, doesn't he? And other veg. <laughs> other other veggies are available. You are right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't want the national sweet board court, the sweet corn board on it. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, no, I think sweet corn's rank, mate. But I, I can do yeah. the other veggies, guys. There we are. Speaking of uh, jolly giants, Big Sam. He's a jolly giant at the moment, and he's giving up. Excellent. It's one of the best. They're getting better as the uh, the season yeah. goes on. He's going to march his baggies into the Hawthorns to take on Hassan Huttle's horrible Southampton. 
That was nice. I mean, I, I'd like to think that Jesse has sort of anticipated your segue there. He sort of almost he set you up for that. One. It, it, he know, just sort it, of nodded it in at the back. Telepathic, yeah. It's like yeah. Pereira Robinson. Just it just works. Yeah. yeah, of course. One of the great combos in podcasting <laughs> in West Midlands football podcasting. Anyway, let's um let's talk about the Southampton game because it is it's a game that has taken on a degree of importance, I'd say, and it is I'm certainly now slightly. <laughs> is it the Swed? I'm annoying about. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I don't want to say it, Ali. I mean, look, Ali Dice. So how many games you got left now? Eight or nine? And Ali Dice. Yeah. yeah, we we need five wins from the red only eight games if we've got you know if we have any chance of staying up. Southampton at home has to be one of them, and it's the kind of game that you know we, if we slump to a defeat here, all of the good feeling from the Chelsea game dissipates, and if we pick up a bloody win, whoa, it's on, isn't it? Oh, it's oh, on. Oh, Get it. Squeaky bum the car. Um, the Premier League bus is in town. Um, I guess, look, everyone knows what I imagine we're going to say about us. It's probably um, unchanged, I guess, well, I guess yeah. in the sense of like Robinson will start, unchanged from the last 60 minutes <laughs> against yeah. Chelsea. Um, Southampton, I guess we should talk about them because we've talked about us so much on the West Bromwich Albion podcast, I know, but um, they're a weird team for me, Southampton. You never know what Southampton's going to turn up. And I think that was shown in their game against Burnley the weekend, 2-0 down after 20 minutes or so, and win the game 3-2. Um, sort of microcosm of their season, wasn't it? Yeah, they, if, they, you know, if they're fit and firing, they've got some really good players. Everyone knows how good Danny Ings has been. James Ward-Prowse is brilliant. Their defence is really good. When, when they look good, which I know is such a silly thing to say, but there seems to be no middle ground. With Southampton, they either look atrocious thinking of back to some of the results they had. 1-0 against um, Everton away, was re- they were really poor. Lost 3-0 at Leeds away, but they, you know, they're in the semi-finals of the FA Cup and had a good run there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess they've got nothing to play for. Probably, you know, the 10 points off safety with eight games remaining. They're going to pick up the points to be safe, so they haven't got a lot to play for. They may have one eye on the FA Cup semi-final, we play on the Monday, they play that semi-final. On the Sunday, I mean, I guess of teams you want to play, they're probably up there at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I watched their game against Burnley at the weekend and it was a really, really interesting game, the way that it unfolded. I thought it was uh, it was a strange game. I mean, I, I, I switched on when they were 2-0 down and basically watched them batter Burnley for about 60 minutes and they looked really, really good. I think they've got one of the, the most underrated players in the Premier League in terms of James Ward-Prowse. I think that, that I think the midfield battle is going to be key because the, Ward-Prowse and Romeo is a sort of a duo. Is such a sort of strong. It just works. Well, I mean, yeah, fa- fantastic. And I think Yokoslu and um, I imagine, yeah, it'll be Yokoslu and Maitland-Niles going to have to be off, you know, on top of that game to, to sort of match that with Pereira just sitting in front of them. So I think that's where the game's going to be won and lost. But. I, 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 Southampton at their best are one of the most dangerous teams in the league but as we've seen with, with the way that they crumbled against the Leicester Man U in a couple of seasons oh, yeah. and just to get the 9 in there did you know the yeah. no. I mean, <laughs> if Albion play like they did at the weekend oh, it's not again. could it's at a third 9-0 yeah Ima- oh, I'm not, no, I, don't, I don't want to rule it out I mean if we're in 9-0 are we, are we stopping up then it's, it's got to be on hasn't it if we win 9-0 yeah 
we're going to well, if we win nine nil, it's officially on, and we can start booking planes for the follow the, the season after the season after because we will be in the Champions League. It's just going to happen. Big Sam, big conquering Europe with Big Sam at the helm. It's it's uh, just a, a last little caveat on this game. You mentioned in the Champions League. I'm going to just draw the curtain back here that. This uh, was brought forward a day uh, due to other commitments, which is fine. I don't mind recording yeah. on a Wednesday or Thursday. You demanded it to be early so we could be finished for the Champions League, a competition which has no bearing on West Bromwich Albion. Also, yeah. it's not to see where your loyalties lie. The, the money yeah, Alex, Alex, I've got absolutely no qualms in saying it, mate. I bloody love the Champions League. I absolutely bloody love it. The theme tune, the atmosphere, the We're product. never going to see it live. Gas following our club. Gas prom. Yeah. Now, well, I mean, we won't, but well, we're begging for a Saudi takeover, really, aren't we? But there we go. Um, yeah, look, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I, I just, I wish I wasn't as invested in it as I am now, but I wish I didn't care. Just, you know, just, I hate them. I hate the way that they do that. You just as you're sort of disaffected by it, you can go about your life as normal. They go and bloody do that. They're just a just a disgrace. Anyway, right. What you, I'm going to get your predictions down. What are you going to say, Alex? Well, I said 3-3 for the Chelsea game and you tweeted, yeah. didn't you, about halfway through when it was 3-1 saying, it's on again here. <laughs> it really was. Um, <laughs> oh, do, oh, God. I've got hope. West Bromwich Albion. West Bromwich Albion oh, 3. Oh, no. Oh, Southampton 1. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ, mate. Oh. Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Southampton win. Oh, God. The what a way, of, what a way yeah. to end the week. Yeah. Yeah, but in many ways, I'm almost hoping for that. Just, like, the sooner we're put about... What I don't want to happen is just win, like, the next five in a row and then still go down. And it'd just yeah. be awful. If we're going to go down, get invested. just lose. Yeah. We, just, we, like, said, we said last yeah. week it's hard to record the podcast because of being disinterested and we're just going yeah. down without a whimper. It's now we're not going down without a win, bro. Not this week. And we're going, well, thank God, this is no fun because now we're invested again. <laughs> Alex, I just miss being numb to it. I miss <laughs> being numb to it. <laughs> I just, I just, and do, do, you know what's, do you know what's awful as well is that, and the people who were watching the game with me will, will attest to this. I was fairly nonplussed by everything that was happening, really, in the game until, and then the fucking red card happened. And then I like sat up on the sofa and I was like, here we go. And it was literally something as menial as Thiago Silva getting sent off. And I was like, right, it's, it's on. on. We're stopping it off. You can go. So yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But there we go. So I hope that kills you, isn't it? Right. What are you what are you doing this week? I, I, I take it you'll be watching the game at home as ever. Oh uh, yeah. A bit of the Masters golf in the background nice. as well over the weekend. It doesn't play we don't play till Monday, do we? You've got almost we don't, so you've got a free weekend, free weekend. Yeah. And then, I suppose, I mean, the game's on Monday night. Could be, it's the first one, pretty much all, well, all season, where you could be watching it in a pub, in a pub garden. Oh, in, my, in minus four that it's meant to be next week. But uh, yeah, <laughs> slowly getting back to normality. But there was nothing are, normal about Albion beating Chelsea 5-2. Is that a second segue in the podcast? Oh, Look, this is full of a luxuriant podcast. This has been an territory this two week. Segues. We need to we need to switch off here, mate. We, we've been babbling on for far too long. So, um, thanks very much for joining me, mate. It's been it's been a genuine pleasure. No problem. And thank you, listeners, as ever, for tuning in. I'm sure it wasn't too much of a chore this week, given the circumstances. So, all that remains for me to say is goodbye, boing boing, 
and cheerio.